Taylor Kramer here. Welcome back to another episode of the Cold Shower Podcast. Before we get into the conversation with the guest, I want to remind you guys, your ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts really, really help. Uh, I love to look at those and see what you guys think. It gives me a lot of feedback and, and things that you guys are enjoying, so I know to do more of that. Uh, but also, it shows a sense of legitimacy in the operation that we have, and so it will you know, spread the reach and get more listeners, and I think that our guests are definitely uh, deserving of that. Um, also, I will link to all of these in the show notes, but you can always find my guests and their social medias and their websites in those show notes, and then also ours and mine and what we have going on with Cold Shower, so you're always welcome to give us a follow uh, at all the social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I think those are the main ones that I'm involved in. Um, but yeah, go check some of that stuff out and uh, see what what kind of fun stuff we're doing behind the scenes or find different ways to connect with me. Um, I'm going to cue the music here and we're going to get into a conversation with Ryan Decker. He's someone that I have seen at the local coffee shop quite a bit. I knew about his talents as a tattoo artist as he's tattooed quite a few of my friends. And I've been really actually for since I started the podcast, been wanting to get a tattoo artist on the show because I just have a million questions. Like, how do you poke holes in someone's skin and give them a tattoo when you started out drawing just on paper? And so I asked really a ton of questions that I had, and I hope they're reflective of questions that you guys might have for tattoo artists too. And then once we shut the microphone off, he was really sharing about his passion and love for philosophy and reading a lot of uh, really good books and stuff. And so that's something that that I enjoy as well. So I'm going to bring him back in at some point, and he's going to educate all of us a little bit on philosophy and just some interesting stuff that he's read because I just I find people like that really intriguing and really fascinating. And we had shared the sentiment that we don't think uh, non-interesting people take the time to read. And pretty much every time I see him at the coffee shop, he's reading some type of book you know, before he heads in for, for work. Um, so I really respected that about him. We'll definitely get him back in for an additional conversation. But here is the music and here is the conversation with Ryan Decker. live ryan my man thank you so much for coming into the studio i appreciate it of course thanks for having me yeah i know we just saw each other uh this morning by chance and so hopefully we have enough to talk about i think so yeah i tend to ramble i tend to ramble on sometimes so that's what a podcast host needs is people that ramble sometimes unless (laughs) we'll see yeah you got to get it under control yeah you might have to cut me off at some point right hey we'll figure it out (laughs) um but yeah anyway i heard about you because you do um like all now or most of Spencer McQueen's tattoo work who's yeah. been on the podcast? Okay. Yep. I have oh. for the last maybe two years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And what is that like sitting down in a chair and talking to Spencer for a couple hours at a time? He's he's an interesting guy. He's got a lot of ideas. And uh, I mean, we don't, you know, we've known each other for, well, longer than since I've been tattooing him. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. like... Uh, it, we have different opinions on, on okay. things, so it's good to to kind of get some, you know, different, alternate. yeah, alternate viewpoints, yeah. you know, every now and then. And uh, yeah, I don't know. We just kind of well, that, hit it off. And yeah, I would think know. as a tattoo artist, you're you're constantly sitting down with people that 
somehow so it's not terribly painful for those couple hours like you have to find some common ground you have to figure out how to have a conversation with people even if you don't agree with them or or even if they don't seem like your type of people probably right absolutely and you know the funny thing before i started tattooing i will say i was definitely not a people person um you know come home from school go straight to my room hang out play guitar you know just like try to avoid all human contact yeah and for whatever reason I chose tattooing and, you know, I think it hit me early on that like, you have to be a people person, you know, if you want people to come back, right. Yeah. You can, you know, you can get people to come in and give you money and tattoo them one time and never see them again. And that's fine, but you're not going to build much of a career out of Mm -hmm. that. It's just kind of a one and done sort of thing. So, excuse me, you do have to, whether you agree with someone or not, you have to try and eke out something in common with every person that yeah that sits down in the chair. Yep. Yeah, I think well that's probably what we have in common then is like I mean pretty much everybody, well all people that I have on the podcast, I invited them because I f- think that they're interesting in some way, but I'm not of the impression that we agree on everything. But it's like you want them to I mean a lot of these people I've become friends with and it's like the podcast was kind of that gateway to becoming friends. And it was just because we were forced into this scenario and the situation of like having to utilize our social skills well enough to talk to each other for an hour. Right. Like, and, and no one wants hard. to talk. No one wants to talk nowadays. I mean, the right? way, you know, I, you know, everybody knows the way it is. If somebody disagrees with you, you're just supposed to call them names and mm-hmm. scream at them and right. you can't be friends with them. Yep. And I think that's ridiculous. Like I have a lot of friends that have different opinions than me and that's why I talk to them about certain things. Um, you know, especially the older you get, I think you you can tend to get set in certain ways and uh, your worldview can narrow at some point. So mm-hmm. having friends or even just regular contact with people that you don't agree with um, can be a really good thing. Yeah. Oh, definitely. We have to stretch ourselves a little bit. And if you were only friends with the people that 100% agreed with you, like we would all be I don't know, pretty egotistical and like would just remain in those echo chambers and we wouldn't be any better. Like friends are also supposed to fill the role of people that challenge you, I think. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I, yeah, I wouldn't want to be surrounded by a group of people who just accept everything I say and do as, you know, the word, you know, I I want somebody to be like, Hey dude, remember when you said that thing? Like Mm -hmm. uh, that wasn't, that wasn't cool. Or, you know, that maybe could have, thought that through a little more right. or whatever. So it, it, yeah, you just need those people in your life. Yep. Yep. Well, there, so when you're talking about being around people who, um, agree with you or relate to you, like, here's a question. So you have tattoos on your hands. Yes. Was that like a big decision to figure out, should I, granted you're a <clears throat> tattoo artist. Right. Did you have those before you became a, a tattoo artist? I did not. You did so not? Okay. the furthest I went was my forearm. Okay. Um, and that was a big deal at the time like how how old are you uh 34 34 okay yeah. so are you of the generation that has become a little more accepting of tattoos you think or are you still kind of in front of that um yeah you know i think i hit that i hit i hit that stage but you know i got my forearm tattooed when i was 21 maybe mm-hmm. 22 i was working at a grocery store yeah. Am I, you know, it was kind of the, what have you done sort of thing? Mm-hmm. Like, how are you going to get a, a better job? And you know, that's, yeah. that's just kind of the mentality. Um, but I, 
I didn't get my hands tattooed. I got my first hand tattoo. Uh, I've been tattooing for three years. Okay. So, you know, even though I kind of dove in head first to tattooing, there was still that part in the back of my mind that said, uh, maybe you should wait to find out if you're even good at this before mm-hmm. you just blast your hands. So, right. um, you, you know, and it's funny, I thought my parents were going to be pissed. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because they had said things about me getting other tattoos. Like, especially when I turned 18, I just go out and get something and come home. And okay. they'd be like, what, what did you do? You know? And then I got my hand tattooed and I was like, I'm dead. Like, mm-hmm. this is it. Yep. And I did it on Mother's Day. And I was like, <laughs> I'm just going to show up to my parents' house. I got to tell them I can't hide this. You can't hide you know, that. Yeah. There's not, I'm not, what am I going to wear? Like a Michael Jackson glove for the rest right? of my life? Like, <laughs> I, you know, I can't, I can't hide this. So I remember I show up and like. My heart's pounding. My parents are home and uh, I see my dad pull in the driveway and I'm just like, this is it. And I walk out and I was like, all right, dad, I got, I got to show you this because I can't hide it. And I showed it to him and he went, oh, that's pretty cool. Okay. And then he just walked away. And from then on, I was just kind of like, all right. Yeah. You you have like, like, yeah, some level of acceptance. He probably had played it through his mind where he's like, hey, I see the trajectory here. Like eventually he's going to have a hand tattoo or right. a face yeah, tattoo. And I think or... if I had done that before I had been tattooing for any length of time, that probably would not have gone that way. But, right. you know, being three years in and, you know, kind of being set on that path, it mm-hmm. was kind of like, well, I think we saw this coming. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's definitely no matter where I go, it's a conversation starter. Mm-hmm. Like I just try and go grab dinner somewhere or yep. go to the store. I end up in an hour long conversation with somebody about tattoos because it's really hard to mm-hmm. hide hand tattoos. Uh, and I knew that like yeah. I, you know, I didn't, it wasn't a shock to me that people want to talk about it, but um, yeah, it definitely, it definitely still gets stares. Yeah. I mean, it still has like, especially from older generations probably has that connotation of like, you know, breaking laws or, or whatever it might right. be, you know? And so they would jump to those judgments and I've probably experienced that on like a, a smaller scale, but when I have like a mullet or something, you know, people are like, I think I saw you, I think I saw you yeah, with a mullet recently. Yeah. I had like a yeah. small mullet and I just recently got rid of it, but it was kind of my own social experiment of like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to have this and I'm going to take stock of like how people treat me. And see yeah. if they treat me any differently. And from there, when you do get treated differently, it's almost like you have to prove yourself that you're, you know, like an individual that they can take seriously sometimes. Yeah. I don't know. You ever get that? Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's funny. I, I've i had, like, people my own age, mm-hmm. like, sneer at me. And then I've met people in their 80s that walk right up to me and think it's the coolest thing ever. Yeah. And they want to have a conversation. They want, they think I'm approachable. Mm-hmm. and they want to know more, you know? So it's, it's really, I found it's not an age thing. It's not, it's not even oh. a generational thing at this point. It's just kind of, uh, I don't know. I don't, you know, yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I've each, each person has yeah figured out whether they're going to judge somebody or not. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I would have just attributed it to age, but you get like a lot of old uh, war veterans and stuff, especially like World War II or Vietnam. They all oh, have yeah. like tattoos. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. At least, you know, the one on the forearm or whatever. Yeah. And I mean, the you know, I've tattooed a lot of older people. Oh, yeah. I think the oldest woman maybe last summer um, tattooed her and her four daughters. She was 87. Oh, man. And her daughters were other. One was like 50, 
five maybe, and the others were all in their sixties. Yeah, and they all got matching tattoos. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and they were like one of the funnest groups of people I've had mm-hmm. in the shop. Like, she wanted to take a cutting off of one of my plants to take home. <laughs> was and it she's succulent like, and grow it or what? No, it was a pitcher plant. She's oh, okay. like, can I take a cutting? And I'm like, <laughs> how am I going to say no? You know, right. like, so I think everybody thinks it's a generational thing, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, the the grumpy old guy in his lawn yeah. yelling, you know, like it it's not always the case. Yeah. That's the stuff I need to hear because I'm always uh such an advocate for how great the millennial generation is. And then I kind of complain sometimes about like baby boomers and stuff like that. And I, I like to study the differences in generations, but I'm always having to remind myself of my own biases. <clears throat> Cause like naturally I'm gonna think that millennials are a really great generation because I am a millennial. Right. And I think we get a bad rap. So I always like go to bat for them. And then I think there's times like just now where I attribute this negativity to, to a specific generation when I probably shouldn't. And so then that's me like being judgmental or biased or whatever, even when I'm trying like, it's, my hardest it's not hard to not be. to be, yeah. you know, like it's everybody's judgmental mm-hmm. at one point or another, like that, that's just how it is. That's yeah. just that, you know, I think to me, that's how you filter things in and out of your life. Like you have to, at some point you have to be judgmental about something. You can't say, I don't think anybody can say, I don't judge anything mm-hmm. because that's just, I don't think that's true. Yeah. Um, to the level at which you judge, you know, is, mm-hmm. is a totally different thing. But, uh, you know, it's funny because I'm technically a millennial. Yeah. You're right on the cusp. It's like, it's like a year or two before I was born, but I, I, I don't view myself that way. Like I, I've never have. Yeah. It's, I don't it's think hard I had to... ever even heard the term millennial until a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, you, yeah. Cause you're like a little bit younger than my older brother and he's, I can't remember the years that millennials fall within, but I think it's 83. I think okay. it starts at 83 to like 90. Yeah. Late nineties, 95. 95, 96, something okay. like that. Because I have an older brother who was born in 84 and then a younger brother that was born in 95. And I have two after that, but they're in different generations. But it's like we were also divided by the introduction of the iPhone. So when you were in school, in high school, you didn't have an iPhone in your pocket. I'm willing to bet. Like it didn't come out until 2007, the no. iPhone. No, I, I actually didn't have a cell phone until I was 18 because I yeah. told my parents I didn't want one. Really? You yeah. had like that foresight? Yeah. And yeah, I, had I, the Nextel, I had the Nextel clamshell yeah. flip. The yellow? The, uh, the, 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 black, the black one. Okay. But it, yeah. did, it did have the, uh, so cool. the two-way. Um, and the only reason I had to get it is because I moved to go to school after mm-hmm. high school. I moved to Grand Rapids okay. and um, my parents forced me to get a phone. Mm-hmm. They're like, you're not going to be that far away and not yeah. have a phone. But I fought it tooth and nail for the longest time. Interesting. Because I just didn't want one. You just didn't want to be connected or what? Yeah, pretty much. You know, when you're 16, you're just like, well, me anyway at 16, you know, all angsty and mm-hmm. just leave me alone. I don't want people to have that direct of a contact and yeah. you know, all that sort of stuff. And and now, you know, I have to forcefully leave my phone mm-hmm. where I don't look at it all the time. Yep. Yeah, where it's just become see, an addiction. Yeah. Yeah. So you were you said you were angsty as a teen. I had Jack uh, Senef on here too. Yeah, yeah. And um, he 
he uh, considers himself to have had quite a bit of angst. And then I talked about the little bit that I had. Was that like a big thing in like middle school, high school for you where you were just, you look back on it and you were like, man, I was pissed about a lot of things. Oh, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like 16, I'm pretty sure I was the only 16 year old in my high school reading like Camus and what is that? Uh, Albert Camus. Yeah. I don't uh, know. He's a existentialist. Um, just like, I, I do. I was, I was like getting into philosophy. I would like go to Goodwill and just buy these 25 cent philosophy books. Really? And I, yeah. How I, old were you? 16. Okay. Um, just reading everything I could and um, just mad, you know, mm-hmm. just like, and I didn't know why. I didn't know why I was mad or what I was mad about. Just there wasn't like an event or anything that. No, yeah, just I think becoming a teenager. Okay. Cause I know? was like, Jack had some things that he disclosed on the episode so I could talk about it where it was like he, his parents were going through a divorce. And so that set a lot of things off, you know, for him. And I was, I grew up in like a perfect home. I always yeah. felt cared for, yeah, but it was too. like, you almost were looking for things to get mad about. Oh yeah. Rebel I, without a cause. Yeah. It must <laughs> be part of growing up. I don't know. It's weird. Uh, yeah. I, like I said, I think a lot was puberty and just like. I don't know how to handle these hormones and you just find things to be mad at. But I was very like, I, I don't know, like six, yeah. 16 year old me is totally different than 34 yeah. year old me, but uh, I still read a lot of the same books, but it's, it's too. Like for a different purpose. It, yeah. Yeah. So you probably at 16 were searching for like some type of meaning or something. And I, then, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think I just like any teenager, you felt lost, you know, mm-hmm. I grew up in a small town, like you said that you did. And yeah. you, you just, I mean, I think there were, and I don't know how small this is in comparison with other small towns, but there might've been 800 people in my high school. Okay. You know, maybe, um, maybe like 300 in my grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just didn't feel like I got along with any of them. Mm-hmm. I had like one good friend yep. who I'm still friends with today. Um, <clears throat> and uh, him and I had a lot, you know, mm-hmm. we read the same books. We watched the same movies. Like he was my dude. Yep. So, uh, you know, going back to what you said earlier about being in an echo chamber, I mean, I was in it. Right. Like with one I, other person. Yeah. With one other person. <laughs> yeah. It was just him and I saying the same stuff to each other because we agreed on it. You're you probably know? fueling each other's yeah, like yeah, anger absolutely. a little bit. Yeah. And then you grow, you know, you grow out of that and you move away from your hometown and you meet other people. And I, I don't know. I think you hit your 20s and you're just kind of like, man, I was an idiot. Like mm-hmm. I thought I knew everything. And then you get in your 30s and you look at your 20s and you're like, man, I was a bigger idiot than when I was 16, you yeah, know, like yeah. it's just kind of the progression of life. But yeah, I think at 16, I was searching for something, um, that I didn't know what, I didn't know what it was or where to even look. So I just, and I, I've always read, like always had books. Um, uh, my parents told me like that I was the first person in my class to be able to read. So the teacher would let uh, me read to the class. This was like second grade. Yeah. Um, so I've always loved books and, um, just learning really in general. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just, 
I didn't like the school structure. You know, I've always loved learning, but that sort of forced, like, we're forcing you to learn what we want you to learn sort of thing. I think I was rebelling against that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm going to read all these books that, yeah, you know, we're told we shouldn't read and all this sort of stuff. Yep. So, yeah, it was, I think, yeah, I had a lot of similarities to that too, especially, I think I was actually probably angrier at 18 than I was at like 15 or 16. Um, because I think at that age I was like ready to branch out or so I thought I was like, yep, you're close. Like you're, you're becoming an adult. You're, you can finally make your own decisions. And then when you're 30 and you look back on it, you're like, yeah, I totally wasn't prepared. And even when I felt like I was on my own, there was so much like support behind me, like this, this safety net that I like thought didn't exist, but it did. And it's so funny. You're, you're like, like I'm independent. Uh, you're no, like, nobody you're, cares. Yeah. And my parents are like there own. catching me like every step of the <laughs> yeah. way. And uh, it's really funny to to remember that stuff. But yeah, I think I was more angry at 18. And then my freshman year of college, I was like really going through some relationship stuff. And then I evened out kind of after that. Once I met my wife, I always credit her with that. I was like, oh, she's pretty legit. I need to like really straighten up here so I can keep her around or she'll keep me around. And um, and I think it's been somewhat of an upward trajectory since then. But That's I all like, you can hope for. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 But I love being able to look back and being like, I don't know. I don't. I still don't think I totally have it together. But I at least know I have it a little bit more together than I did when I was younger. You know, it's somewhat comforting. Yeah. I think if you can look back and f- feel like you're in a better place, mm-hmm. no matter how like how incremental it is, like that. That's all you can hope for. Yeah. Just that. All the work you put in on a daily basis gets you one step further away from mm-hmm. who you used to be. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So let's talk about tattooing again. So I assume that you liked to draw and all that type of stuff prior to putting it on people's yeah, skin. all the time. Okay. Grew up doing it. Um, I remember I have these memories of going to my grandma's house and she had this drawer. She had this like big, I mean, her house was just full of like antique furniture, mm-hmm. this big like dark wood armoire or whatever and had a drawer in the bottom where she just kept blank notebooks Mm -hmm. and you know i I was an outdoor kid too so if the weather was nice i was outside uh if it wasn't i was usually inside drawing Mm -hmm. and i'd pull those notebooks out and i would always draw portraits of my family members like just they'd be sitting in a chair watching tv and i'd be sitting in the other chair like drawing their profile you know and uh it was just something i always did Mm -hmm. like just naturally. Interesting. I was just kind of naturally drawn to yeah. it. Um, I got more into painting as I got older. Um, I think it's hard for a kid to understand the complexities of like watercolor painting yeah. and you know, that sort of thing. But, uh, as I got older, got more into painting and then I got my first tattoo when I was 17. Okay. On my birthday, I'd asked for a tattoo for like two years uh-huh. and my, my parents yeah, just said, no, yeah. <clears throat> I just said no. And I just kept asking, you know, every year for my birthday, like, what do you want? I want a tattoo. Mm-hmm. No. And so on my 17th birthday, my dad said, all right, I'll take you. Okay. And I had kind of sketched up this idea. And so on my upper right arm, it's a guitar okay. with wings. Oh, sweet. And I've since added to it over time, but that was the, that was the original 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was sitting in a lotus flower. Does so, it take up most of your upper arm? Uh, yeah, like the upper okay. kind of like deltoid area. That's pretty big for um, your first tattoo. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it was just like the coolest experience. You know, we walked in the shop and it's just like loud metal mm-hmm. playing and dudes are just wearing jeans and t-shirts and, you know, bust each other's balls all day mm-hmm. long. And I was like, man, this is, yeah, I could see myself doing this. Like, I don't see myself ever working an office job or right. anything like that. I was like, this is it. And <clears throat> I wish I would have pursued it or had somebody telling me to pursue it right away mm-hmm. because I knew that's what I wanted to do. And I just didn't, I didn't do it right away. Mm-hmm. I worked, like I said, I used to work at a grocery store, worked there, started working there when I was, when I was 16, ended up leaving when I was 22. Okay. Um, and I just hit a point where, you know, I looked around at the people at the grocery store and I was like, I don't want to be a lifer. Mm-hmm. You know, like some of these people have been here 30 years already. Yeah. And I, it's, it's just a little grocery store in my hometown. And every, when I'm back at my parents, sometimes I go there and I still see the same people mm-hmm. working there. And I just, I didn't want to be that person, you know, like it no disrespect, no disrespect yeah. to those people. That wasn't going to be me. Yeah. And so I pursued an apprenticeship. Uh, I was 21 at the time and I knew a guy that worked at a shop and said, hey, man, what do, I, what do I have to do? Um, this is what I want to do. Uh, how do I do it? And he said, put together a portfolio. Uh, of just regular drawings <clears throat> and stuff? Yeah. He said, you know, artwork you've done. Um, here's some other things maybe you should go home and draw up and put them in there. Uh, so I, you know, had pictures of paintings and stuff that I had done, put together this portfolio. And he's like, I'll, I'll tell the shop owner. And tell him you're interested and just bring in your portfolio. And I did. And he said, you know, this stuff's really good. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm just not looking for an apprentice right now. Okay. And he said, but, you know, hang out. Hang out when you can. Like I might pop in. Yeah. He's like, you know, I'm, I might be looking for one soon. I think he had one at the time. And so I literally hung out at the shop for a year. Mm-hmm. Like I'd get out of work, I'd go straight there and hang out till they closed. And yeah, I was like the weird guy in the word, corner, yeah. you know, like telling the the off color jokes every now and then, like just to like, do these people like me? Yeah, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do they even know I'm here? And yeah. uh, and then eventually one day I was leaving, and you know we were walking out in the parking lot, and he said. Hey, you know, I'm, I want to offer you the apprenticeship. Um, and so I started when I was 21 and then started, I want to say it was like June of 07. So I had like just turned 22. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started tattooing friends and family at first Okay. for a few months. And then, so typically an apprenticeship lasts a year. Okay. Um, And you can actually tattoo during that time just as long as people are like willing to let you or? Everybody's different. Like everybody teaches differently, I guess. Uh, There are some guys that for that, for that whole first year, you don't even touch a machine. Like you you just learn the ins and outs. Um, 
And for, for me, since I'd already hung out there for a year, oh, right. you, you know, I'd picked up on a lot of stuff and I think he realized that. So after about three months, I started tattooing friends and family, did my first tattoo on myself, Okay, uh, which I still have. I haven't covered. Is that like a rule? You do the first one on yourself? I think that's kind of a uh, written thing. Yeah. It's just kind of um, the, the way my mentor always said it was, you know, if you're training martial arts, it, it's the mark of your dojo. Okay. It, it's where you learned. Um, so he had designed the, the place was called old anchor and he had designed these little anchor tattoos I want one. and we all had, <laughs> we all had to, anyone who learned there had to tattoo it on themselves. Okay. Um, so I did the same thing with my shop. Um, I've, I've trained two people you now. A, an eyeball? Is that an eye? So that's the logo. Oh, okay. That's what okay. I'm doing. Oh, well, okay. So the, the original design was just, a. um, it's a T and an S okay. uh, that go together for Truth Seeker. And I made them tattoo it on themselves, mm -hmm. on their ankle. Yeah. Um, the eye thing is kind of a relatively new logo that we've come up with. Um, and the the designs I've been doing mm -hmm. uh, is is somewhat new. Okay. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's I wouldn't say it's a rule, but it's kind of... I think it's just kind of how the, the, the way things go. Like mm -hmm. you got to do your, you got to know what you're doing to other people. Right. So you do the first one on yourself and then bring in some friends and family that you feel comfortable with. Um, so I did that for three months and then I showed up to work one day and oh, I think I had done maybe three months of, this is a long time ago. This was almost 13 years ago. So I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying to think ago. back. Um, I think there were some other people, maybe close friends of the shop that offered up, uh, you know, and I do them for like 20 bucks. Mm -hmm. And then after about six months, I showed up to work one day and he was like, hey, did you bring your stuff with you? And I was like, yeah. He's like, well, so-and-so called in sick, so you're up. So you got his chair. Her and chair. I was just like, oh, okay. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> I guess I'm doing this. And- I don't know. I probably made like 300 bucks that day. And I was just like, this is the coolest thing Dude, ever. Yeah. yeah. Walked out of there with a stack of cash in my pocket. That's and awesome. I was like, this is insane. Yeah. It, it was cool. Yeah. Cause you get, I mean, you get chunks of money. That's for sure. Like, you know, all at once that would, especially when you're starting out would be like a really cool feeling. Yeah. Like you, cause you're working at a grocery store. So you're getting a paycheck every two weeks. Yeah. When you go from making like $300 a week to being able to make that in a day, it feels when you're 22, like that's pretty wild. Yeah. You're balling. All yeah, of a yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, awesome. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I was uh, curious about the apprenticeship because like what I know about tattooing is I have one tattoo on my arm and one on my finger and that would be, what was that tattoo show with like Ami James and uh, Kat Von D? Uh, Miami Inc. That Miami, was the, yeah. Yeah, the first I think big I, one. Because I kind of liked Ami James. Like I liked his, I don't know if it's a character. <clears throat> it's a reality TV. Are they a character? I don't know. Or maybe it's not really reality. Yeah. You would know better than I would. So all those guys own other shops okay. and work in other cities. But they like come um, there for the so show. So that shop actually exists in Miami. Okay. Uh, but it's totally different dudes work there. Okay. So all of those people were brought in to film at that location. Um, but they all work like Chris Garver, you know, he lives and works in New York. Okay. All right. So, but he was on that show for years. Yeah. Um, but he, 
I don't know. Like people, people always talk about the shows. Um, yeah. I've, and I've surprisingly, I've only watched like one or two. Uh-huh. Like I just. Well, you're living it. You know? Yeah. 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 The way I've always put it, and I, I know this probably makes me sound like an asshole, but I always ask people like, do you think a surgeon goes home and watches ER at the end of the night? <laughs> right. Like probably yeah. not. You know, yeah. like they've just been elbow deep in it all day long. Uh, they want to go do something else. They want to. I don't know, go play badminton or whatever, yeah. you know, whatever they're into. So, um, I have nothing, I have no problem with the shows. Right. Like that, if that's what people want to do, that's fine. I, I, that's just not, that's not my thing. I don't, I don't yeah. care much for them. No, I, I think there was another, I think it was a guy that did my tattoo that I was asking about that show. Cause I like binged it for a little bit. Cause I was like, they make, they do really cool tattoos and isn't Kat Von D like specialized in like portraits and stuff? And she does a lot of portraits. Pretty yeah, lifelike. Yeah. And I just was like, how do they do that? So I would watch it and, um, and I was talking to him and he's like, yeah, I mean, it's not really like, it's good entertainment. He's like, but it's not really like reality. It's not, yeah. it's not how, you know, and I think it's a, the shows have been a blessing and a curse. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously the popularity ha- of tattooing has exploded because of, how many mm-hmm. shows there are. Like it's just in people's faces now. Yeah. And people are like, oh, well, that's cool. It's on TV. Like it can't be that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the downside is that people see people see these people, you know, these customers come in and end up with a full sleeve. Mm-hmm. And they think that that happens in a day. Oh, right. You know, and they're just like, you know, because we've had people, not not here, but in the past at shops I've worked at, I've had people call and say, hey, you know, do you have time for a sleeve today? And it's like, <laughs> I know mean, I, how many hours is that? Like 40 hours. Okay. So, yeah. for, I mean, depending, you know, like I would say I would put you somewhere between 20 and 40 hours. Okay. Depending on the size of your arm, subject matter, black and gray versus color, all that sort of stuff factors in. Uh, but you're looking tens of hours mm-hmm. of work and people will be like, Hey, you have time for a sleeve? Like, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, like, no, definitely not today. Yeah. I had a, a guy I used to work with said, no, I'm all out of 40 hour days. Like <laughs> that's a good, that's yeah, a good yeah, throwback. Like, no, I just, I, I don't have time. So it, it's given some people unrealistic expectations. Um, but it has, it's obviously skyrocketed the popularity of tattooing. Yeah. Well, and they probably call and you get get a quote on what a sleeve costs, and they're probably like surprised by that too. Yeah, they're thinking, "Oh, it's just a day's work in the show." Just oh yeah, a yeah. couple hundred bucks. Get it all the time, you know, yeah. through Facebook or whatever. People send a picture and they're like, "How much do you think this is a cost?" And yeah. I'm like, I-, "I don't know, but probably thousands of dollars." <laughs> and they're just like, "Okay, thank you." And then you just never. Right. They don't. Those people are coming in. Yeah. You know, yeah. like they got they got maybe five hundred bucks, and they think. They're going to get, a, get it all done. Yeah. 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 That would be. They want the Lamborghini for the Pinto budget, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, I could definitely see that. I mean, I could even smell it a little bit when I was watching those shows of like, I don't think this is totally real, but it is, it is entertaining. I just remember Ami James. I think that's his name, right? My Ami. Yeah. Ami. Yeah. 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 Um, was, was like really harsh on his apprentice, apprentices. And I always felt super bad for him. Is that Yo- like, Yoji? Yoshi? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he actually passed away. Did he really? Mm-hmm. Was he like a really good tattoo artist? I imagine he was probably. I good. honestly never, I, I never know. followed his work, but I saw recently that he. No way. I don't know how. Yeah. Uh, but I saw that he had passed away, which the tattoo community rallies around. Um, itself mm-hmm. when when people in the community pass away, which is which is really cool. Yeah. Um, 
uh, you know, I'll see it on Instagram all the time of as soon as, especially the, the older generation of tattooers, uh, as soon as somebody finds out that one of them passes away, it's, you know, the signal gets boosted, mm -hmm. uh, pretty fast. Um, cause a lot of those guys paved the way for what yeah. we are able to do today. So, uh, but, but tattooers in general, like if, mm -hmm. if people know who you are, um, there tends to be, you know, an internet vigil for, mm -hmm. you know, for tattooers within the community when they pass away, yeah. which is, which is cool. Oh yeah. No, that is, especially I would think for the older ones, cause they, probably experienced ridicule at a completely different level too. You know, the early, like if they, if you had a tattoo, a lot of tattoos back in, I would think like the eighties, you were probably like, is that due to hell's angel or what? He's oh, they probably, probably were. Yeah. Or they, no, or they, maybe they were. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah. They probably were. So they were like a reflection of maybe more 30 years ago, a reflection of what you were involved in in real life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I think the idea of, a biker tattoo shop is so foreign to people nowadays mm -hmm. uh, because they're more like spas. Okay. Now, when you walk in, uh, that's just it's just more that's, relatable. that's just what it demands. You know, like that's just what people want. Um, they want that luxury feel when they walk into a shop. They don't mm -hmm. want to. They don't want to walk into somebody's storage unit and feel like they're getting a tattoo with like you know, one bulb hanging mm -hmm. from the ceiling, like swinging back and forth. But I mean, that's how it was like, yeah, these tattooers are probably doing rails of Coke and, <laughs> you know, probably offering it to their clients as well. Yeah. Uh, but they were, I mean, bikers, sailors, you know, like, um, that's just, that's how it was. See, I'm learning all kinds of stuff. So I would, yeah, I don't know why I thought that there would have been troves of people, troves, droves of people in the eighties with like full arm sleeves that weren't involved in you know biking or sailing or something but yeah so it was more reflective of an actual lifestyle but now you have people who you know in the other sense of the word are like professional people but they right. might just have tattoos under their button down right. shirt or now whatever. you're an organic farmer and you mm -hmm. have a throat piece yeah like that yeah, or a chef yeah, or whatever that's just how it is yeah, yeah. and that and because of that shift in lifestyle there's the shift in experience too, mm -hmm. I think. And they're like, not to take away from the experience of walking into a, you know, a, yeah, a what sketchy. feels dangerous. Yeah. Because I, I think that a lot of that is gone now. And, you know, I say that, but I'm, I'm too young to really hit that, you know, when I was 17, getting my first tattoo. I mean, I felt a little scared yeah. walking into the shop uh, that I walked into back in, um, was it 2002? Mm -hmm. Um, but that, you know, I missed all of the stuff in the nineties, uh, obviously the stuff in the eighties, I was born mm -hmm. in the eighties, but that I think a, a little bit of the, that edge, that element of danger has gone away mm -hmm. for, for better or worse. Yeah. Uh, for, you know, for the better, it's broadened the consumer base. If you're thinking purely in terms of business, mm -hmm. uh, the downside of that is I think you get a lot of people that just shouldn't get tattooed. Okay. You know, like I tell people, like I do this for a living. This is how I put food on my table. This is how I pay my bills. I don't think it's for everybody. Mm -hmm. I don't think everybody should get a tattoo. Yeah. Um, and 
I've been doing it long enough to pick out the people that sh- mm-hmm. <laughs> shouldn't get tattooed as soon as they come into the shop. Yeah. But they but they they want it, you know. Their friends have it. It's what everybody's doing. Um, it's become the accepted mm-hmm. thing now. Like and. Again, I think it takes a little bit away from the rebelliousness of getting a tattoo. Yeah. It's, it's not rebellious anymore. Yeah, that's uh, true. Yeah, because I – It's I, almost rebellious to say I hate tattoos. Ta- yeah, yep. Yeah, it's it weird would. because now I even – like I'm around so many people with tattoos that there will be some people that I'll see and I'll like look at the way they dress. And I'm like, they they have a tattoo. Like look how they look how they dress. And then when you find out that they don't have any tattoos – like I've gotten that before I had a tattoo – you know, that people would see the way I dressed or like the crowd that I hung out with and they would be like, he's probably, probably has tattoos. I don't know. He wears a beanie and he, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, has a- I, uh, back in high school, I used to have long hair, uh-huh. long curly hair, like down past my shoulder blades. Yeah. I used to skateboard. Um, I mean, I did have the tattoo at 17. So I was like one of the few people in my high school with a tattoo mm-hmm. and everyone was like, oh, he does drugs. Oh, okay. So there's that connotation. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's the same with tattoo. Like- I think that all gets kind of lumped into the same lifestyle. Mm-hmm. But I, I remember having people like, oh, oh, you don't do drugs? Yeah. And I was like, no. And they're like, oh, I just thought you did because you skateboard and you have long hair. And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, you know, that, yeah, I spy, I, you know, okay, cool. I got that in college too. Somebody, like a girl that was in my class had like texted me about an assignment or something. We used to kind of like help each other when one of us would skip class, then she would send me the notes and I would do vice versa. Like if she skipped class and I was there, then I would send her the notes. And she just, we were texting about notes and she was like, Hey, do you want to smoke down sometime? And I was like, I honestly didn't even really know what that meant. And I was in college (laughs) and uh, I was like, first I had asked like, what does she mean by this? And then she's like, smoke weed. And I was like, no, I don't smoke. She's like, really? And I was like, yeah. Like, why is that weird? She's like, I don't know. I just like from the way you dressed and stuff, I, I wore like cardigans and I don't know, like skinny jeans or something. And she's like, I think he must smoke. It's like, sorry, <laughs> but it was just, yeah, there's like always those, those judgments or assumptions that are made about people just based on the way they look. It's interesting. Yeah. And, and you get it with tattoos. Mm-hmm. Like they, people see a heavily tattooed person. They're like, oh, he, he probably does drugs. He probably spent time in prison and right. w- whatever. Like, yeah. No, I, I'm a business owner. I'm, you know, like I do taxes I, and yeah. yeah, yeah. I pay most of my taxes <laughs> and <laughs> I'm starting a family. Yep. So yeah, it's, it, it comes with the territory. I'm, I'm so used to it by now that it just doesn't phase me. I mean, it used to make me mad. It used to make me so mm-hmm. mad, you know, when I was in my twenties and I was just like, why are people so judgy about me having yeah. visible tattoos? I remember walking into, um, Back when I worked in the Kalamazoo area, uh, this bar that I used to hang out at after work and on my way in, this woman stopped me and she said, well, you know, you have a lot of tattoos. And I was like, yeah. She's like, well, what are you going to do when you want to find a real job? Mm-hmm. She didn't know what job you nope. worked? Okay. No, knew nothing about me. And I was like, it is my job. This is what I do. And she was like, oh, really? And then she proceeded to show me a tattoo she had on her ankle that was and ta- him, and continue yeah. to talk about tattoos. And I just said, I got to go. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I can't talk to you right now. Yeah, dude. Yeah, that would bother <clears throat> me. That would really bother and me. And she wasn't that much older than me. And I'm like, this is a conversation I expected to have with somebody like in their 70s. Yep. Yeah. And it's 
it's a woman in her thirties mm. asking me what I'm going to do to get a real job. And I'm like, all right. Whatever. Yeah. That's, oh, yeah, really, whatever. <laughs> that's surprising. Or, or like what, a, what's that tattoo going to look like when you're old and like your skin is, yeah, oh, you know, sagging. Yeah. And oh, that's stuff. one of my it's favorite like, questions. I don't know. Yeah. It's still well, kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, if I make it that far, yeah. like we'll, we'll talk about it then. But. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that I've seen those old uh, photos too of, you know, some of the OGs you were probably talking about of their, you know, full sleeves and like, it actually looks pretty cool look on cool their like 75 like, year old skin. It's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I'm like, yeah, it's gonna, I mean, it's not like people don't consider that when they get a tattoo. They do consider it most of the time. Yeah. I think. And I mean, like, uh, there's except probably when you're 16 or 17, you're yeah, not thinking a spring break, like you're not thinking, you know, what's this going to look like when I'm 80, but yeah. at a certain point in your life, you're like, yeah, how's this going to look? Yep. And that, you know, and a lot of that is on the shoulders of the tattooer, in my opinion, because they're the one that has to design it. Mm-hmm. So that, uh, that's always in the back of my mind when I do something on a 21 year old. I'm thinking, okay, give this 50 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's it going to look like? Right. Is it going to be a blob? Is it, is half of it not going to be there? Like, so responsible tattooers, Mm -hmm. I will say, uh, take that into account. Um, All tattoos look terrible at some point. Mm -hmm. Like at some point down the line. It's from sun and age. and. yeah, but you can you can take that into account in your initial design to account for the aging process. Okay. So at least hopefully it doesn't just look like a liver spot on mm-hmm. some 80-year-old dude's arm, you know, like. Right. Yeah, I have a I have a buddy who has a rib tattoo that he got when he was like early in college and really in shape and I had like looked at it and I was like I could not have done that because like that section of my body isn't doesn't look the same as it used to and but he's like jacked like it's still like his his uh, obliques and stuff are still like very present and then I've seen his dad too like we went boating with his dad and I was and his dad is jacked I was like this is gonna be fine his dad's like 50 years old he's still ripped I was like he's gonna be that same exact person it's gonna look fine I was like I could not have had that, but um, it, it was funny because I had that go through my head. I was like, what's that going to look like? And then I saw his dad and I was like, it's going to look fine. <laughs> you know, it's just funny how you're like, you have to think about what body part are you getting it on and what is this going to look like in 30 years? And know? I've, and I brought that up to a lot of customers um, who want like, say they want something meaningful on an area that I know is just not going to hold up. Okay. Uh, or something that needs to be on, on this, on a certain part of the body that again, I know is not going to be a detriment to the tattoo over time. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've steered people in different directions, yeah. uh, different body placements for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, some of some places stretch more than others. Yeah. yeah. You know, I get a lot of over the years, a lot of younger women um who haven't had kids yet. And I, you know, and I'll I would ask them like they would want something in their stomach area, in mm-hmm. just in the midsection. And I'd say, just throwing it out there, are 
our children something you are thinking of in the future? Mm-hmm. And if they say yes, I'll say, well, you, just so you know, like that your tattoo is going to change and shift. And so maybe let's move it slightly okay. down, down the top of thigh area or some, an area that's just not going to change quite as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's something that are like, oh, I never thought of that. Okay, they just needed your voice. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. And yeah. I always, try, I always try and steer people in the best direction, mm-hmm. um, because again, I'm thinking fifty, sixty years down the road, I'll probably never see this person ever again. Mm-hmm. Maybe I will, but I probably won't see them that far down the road. But I still want to know that that tattoo I did, you know, looks it, it looks as good as it can, mm-hmm. yeah. as good as it is going to. Um, that far down, but it's, it's, and you know, some people don't care. Some, some customers don't care. They're just like, this is where I want it. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Some tattooers don't care. They're like, they don't have this, these sorts of conversations with their customers. Yeah. They're just, just like, them on there. Oh, you got cash. Cool. Yeah. Right. Let's do it. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, I would think too, like, so when you put that on somebody, there is a certain level of responsibility that comes with it. So having to, you know, take care of it, make sure it's not out in the sun and that you're using sunscreen and, you know, whatever. Um, so it's like if you give somebody a big, vibrant tattoo on their shoulder and then for the next three years they proceed to never cover it when they're in the sun, like wouldn't that change it quite a bit? Oh, absolutely. And then it would yeah. actually – they'd be like, well, this tattoo is only two years old and it's already looking – Looking terrible. Like, would that come back? Do people judge you for that even though they shouldn't be? Oh, yeah. Of course, it always comes back to us. I mean, I've had people that I'm like, how old is this tattoo? And not necessarily a tattoo I did. Sometimes a tattoo I did. Um, They come back and I'm like, what happened to this Mm -hmm. thing? They're like, well, I got it a week before I was going to Florida. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, okay, so you didn't listen to anything I told you. Right. Uh, It just comes with comes with the territory. Right. Like you're going to get people that follow your directions to a T and they're going to be your best customers mm-hmm. because they're going to come back with that perfectly healed tattoo and they're going to want more and they're going to be a walking billboard for your work. Mm-hmm. And then you get going to get the other people that are just going to do whatever they want. Yeah. You, you know, um, you get the people that jump right out of the chair, hop on their phone while you're giving them aftercare instructions and they're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. didn't hear any of it. And then they call back or send an email like, uh, I don't really – I don't remember what you said to do. And I'll send them with a sheet too with it all yep. printed out. And it's like, yeah, I'm I'm expecting to have to touch mm-hmm. this up. So Right. Yeah, you can tell already. Yeah. What was it like when you made the jump from paper to human skin? Like what, that's got to be a huge transition. It is totally different. Um I think people are under the assumption that if you are a good artist, say painting, drawing, whatever, like that translates to tattooing. And yes, being able to draw translates to good design, good tattoo design. Mm -hmm. Um, Like on the iPad. Yeah. yeah. It has nothing to do with application. Okay. It's more of a – application is more of like a mechanical – sort of process. Um, you have to understand the mechanics of how a tattoo machine works. Um, speed, uh, needle depth, hand, like speed of the machine and your hand speed, mm-hmm. um, stretching the skin, like all these other factors that you don't have to do on paper. 
come into play. Um, you need to practice on like pig corpses or something. Yeah. You know, that used to be a thing. Like they <laughs> really? get like, uh, the, the pig's feet, like super cheap and you just tattoo on the skin no or way. That's just funny. like a, yeah. Uh, chunk of a pig um i never did that i just went straight to people right. but um yeah that, that's actually a thing that's and i see people tattoo on like grapefruit and bananas and you okay. know stuff like that and it's like yes they have a quote-unquote skin mm -hmm. but it's it's not it's not a living breathing like the person you're tattooing is probably moving no they're probably talking checking their phone yeah you know their friends distracting them and you have to deal with all of that yeah uh, so you're not tattooing an inanimate object. Right. And if um, we could peel ourselves as easy as we could peel an orange, I think we'd be in trouble. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I probably wouldn't be here today, but right. uh, yeah. Um, bumped into the table on the way down here. I would have been dead. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm like getting nervous even thinking about, I will never tattoo somebody. I can say that with confidence and I'm getting nervous hearing you explain like your first time tattooing actual skin. So the first time, like, like I said earlier, out. was on myself. Oh, right. Okay. So you had some idea of how the skin moved and stretched a little but, bit. But, you know, when you have your mentor standing right over your shoulders, head's basically resting on my shoulder. Mm -hmm. um, it was on my ankle. So I had to, like, sit with my ankle propped up, you know, and I tried to get as close as possible. So I'm, like, basically, like, folded in half trying to tattoo myself. And I could not stop my hands from shaking. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it is unlike, I would, it, it, yeah. I would think, I mean, and did that and uh, like result in crooked lines and stuff or were you able to control it? The lines that? are surprisingly straight. Okay. Um, and maybe it's because they've been able to spread out for the last. 13 years. Mm -hmm. So they kind of spread out to be a straight line. Okay. <laughs> Maybe they weren't so straight in the beginning. Right. I don't really remember, but, um, yeah, it's, and I looking at the same tattoo that other people that I worked with did on themselves. I think mine was one of the better ones. Oh, honestly. Really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Theirs were like real wavy and they got a little more nervous or yeah. maybe they just weren't I, as good. It, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. What and then the first person you tattooed it was somebody that you knew. Uh, it was the girl I was dating at the time. Ooh, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And was she happy with how it turned out? Uh, she probably wouldn't have told me if she wasn't. Okay. Like, I wasn't happy. You could look at your own work like that early and say like, yeah, this isn't. Yeah, this isn't I've good. always been extremely hard on myself okay. when but it you comes knew you to that type of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um. I, yeah. I, I think I saw progression fast enough to not get discouraged. Okay. Um, but it's, it's tough, man. It's, I mean, there's still, like I said, this far in almost 13 years, there's still days where I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I need a, I need a refresher because I feel like I'm, I forgot yeah. what I'm doing. Um, and it's just like that sometimes. Sometimes you come in, you have a day where just like everything is perfectly smooth and you come in, you try to do the exact same thing the next day and your machine's not running right. And, mm -hmm. you know, you, you just, I, things just aren't adding up they were, the way they were the day before. And it's, it's really strange. Uh, and you can talk to guys that have been tattooing twice as long as me. They'll say the same thing. Hmm. So it's uh, not like a preparation thing you, or that you didn't clean something or nope, properly. You or try and be as consistent as possible. Um there's kind of like this ongoing joke that 
you know, some magical elf comes in at night and messes with your mm-hmm. machines from day to day. Yeah. And you're like, this ran perfectly yesterday. Why, right. why is it running like this today? Um, that's just how it is. It's, it's just a daily, and, you know, and, and I love that. I wouldn't want it to be easy. Mm-hmm. I would have quit years ago if it was easy. Right. If I just hit the point where I was like, I don't even have to try at this anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, why would I keep going? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you always have a huge responsibility. Like it's, it's permanent art. It's on somebody. And I was thinking uh, before you got here is I was like, it just seems like a tremendous amount of responsibility. And when I talked to you when we first met as I was like, I was just thinking and putting myself in your shoes of how like nervous I would be or how guilty I would feel if I screwed up. And you were like, it's just like with anything, like with time, as you do it, it kind of becomes like second nature. And yeah, it's a huge responsibility, but you're used to like that pressure of it now. You stop thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, it weighs on you a lot in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a lot of sleepless nights where I just knew, and maybe the customer didn't notice or maybe the customer didn't care, uh, but I knew that something mm-hmm. wasn't quite right in the tattoo I did that day. Okay. So I yeah. lay in bed at night and just have yep. be near a panic attack thinking like, this is on them forever. Right. And, you know, the, the responsibility is always there. That never goes away. But you, you tend not to think about it mm-hmm. after time. You just... You come in and you just feel like I know what I'm doing. Even mm-hmm. like even if there are days where you're like I don't know what I'm doing anymore. You but, zone in. You can yeah, still get yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, yeah. For me, it's kind of like meditation. Like okay. tattooing's always kind of been meditative for me, and I and I do get into this zone um, where and, I, and this has happened a lot. I'll like lose track of time. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, it's like four hours later, and I'm like. I've been doing this for four hours. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it felt like a half hour. And you're like, oh, I'm thirsty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got to stand up. My back is like wrenching mm-hmm. right now. I got to stand up. And um, yeah, I think I think that's the best way to put it. You just get in this zone and you, you, you block it out. You don't mm-hmm. think about this is permanent. As soon as you start thinking about that, you start getting the cold sweat. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, this is permanent on this person. Yeah. Um, I think it's a lot like, so for my job, when I do like counseling and stuff, I have the one thing, and I don't even know if I like read this somewhere or if I just like realized it on my own, but you can get into those zones where it's like, maybe your morning went horribly. Like you got out of the door late, like nothing was going right. But then that second that you like sit down or the second that client comes in and it's time to do like what you're actually paid to do, you can... It just like everything else disappears. And I think that that's a zone that maybe not everybody can get in, but I, I get like that. I'm like, cause what I remind myself is, is like, Taylor, this is the hundredth client that you've had, that you've had a very similar conversation with, but to that person that's coming in the door, this is the most important conversation, maybe of their like decade. Yeah. And so you're like, I owe it to them to be ready for this. And for you, it's your thousand thousandth tattoo for them it's their first or for them like they've been waiting forever to get this done and so that's when you can really i think like tune in and be like all right let's do it and and that was a realization that took me years to get to uh that it doesn't matter what i think about Mm -hmm. their tattoo they don't care they just want me to do a nice job on it that's why they came to Mm -hmm. me um so that's what i'm gonna do like 
I'm not going to worry. You know, if, if they come in with an idea that it's just not going to make a good tattoo, you know, I'll say no, or I'll steer them in a different direction. But at the end of the day, I don't really care what people want to get tattooed on them. Mm -hmm. They have to look at it. They have to live with it. This is for them. This is not for me. And it's almost a daily thing. I, you know, I have to tell myself like, Mm -hmm. this is not for you, Ryan, Ryan, this is for them. Like, so just do it. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, don't, don't argue with them. Don't fight with them. Don't. Right. Just, yeah, you're going to steer them a little bit, but. It's, it's ultimately to, to a better product. That's anytime I'm steering somebody, it's to a better end result. Mm -hmm. It's not, I'm beyond the point of ever steering somebody in the direction that, that I want to go just because that's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I, I don't care. Like, I want them to be happy. Was it hard? Like at first to realize that, like, here's someone coming in with this idea for a tattoo that you would never have. And then maybe you're naturally like catering the, the changes you want to make to it because it's how you would prefer to have it. Oh yeah. On your body. Yeah. That happened a lot early on. Mm -hmm. Um, it was a lot of just trying to convince people to do what I wanted them to do Mm -hmm. and not in a, not in a pushy way, but just like, Hey, this would be, what if we did this or what if Mm -hmm. we did this? And I'll still do that, but there's no, I I don't know. There's no like resentment if they Mm -hmm. don't like my idea. Right. If they don't think my idea is cooler than their idea, I don't care. That's fine. Yeah. That's cool. Like I, I'll just give them my opinion. Um, and honestly, nowadays, most people take it. Okay. Most people come in and they're just like, you're the professional, whatever you think is going to look the best. Mm-hmm. And there's no, there's no pushback. Um, yeah. I mean, but, when I got my first tattoo, that's what I was looking for was like for me to come in with this little idea and for them to just totally take the wheel on it because I didn't really know. Like I was like, is what I'm asking for even possible? You know, please just grab me by the hand, pretend I'm eight years old, but you're giving me a tattoo. You know, like that's what I wanted and they did a great job. But And that's what I try to do every time now. I just assume, I mean, unless, unless you come in, I can tell like this ain't your first rodeo. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just try to treat everybody like that. Like I will, even though I've given the same aftercare speech Mm -hmm. for 13 years, I still do it every time. Yeah. And I go from top to bottom, like it's like the Miranda yeah, rights. You yeah, gotta do yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I got to do it. Uh, whether they listen to me or not, that's on them. Right. But I, I give the same speech. Even there are days where I'm just like, oh, I really wish I didn't have to give this speech mm-hmm. right now. I do it because that's just a part of the whole, yeah, experience. Yeah. Um, and I, I just treat everybody like, like I am there to educate them mm-hmm. on tattooing. And what is the best tattoo and why? Not just not just here you need to get this because I say so. Like you should get this or get it this way because of this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of it is longevity issues. People come in with these ideas that are like too small. Um, you know, they want – to fit five names on the side of their finger or, you know, just like something ridiculous. And 
you just have to steer people away from that type of stuff because um, that tends to be the impulsive stuff and and maybe they'll leave and they'll go get it somewhere else and they'll realize I was right but right again that's fine that's on them I'm you know I, I used to argue with people a lot in the beginning mm-hmm. um, just because I did know what I was talking about but I, you know you know what I'm saying like mm-hmm. I, I knew what I was talking about, but I wanted them to know that I knew what I was talking about. Yeah, it wasn't um, like just in their best interest. Yeah, exactly. Like and I, I grew out of that. Um, and now I'm just kind of like, you want what? Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Let's do it. Yeah. You know, what if we did this? What if we added this? You don't like that? Cool. No problem. All right. Uh, and it wasn't like that for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's important because like that's how I feel when I go to the mechanic is like they could take me for all my cash every single time. Because I don't know much about cars. Yes. And so it's like you can go in there and I love when I find a mechanic or even an oil change person who all they're doing is changing my oil and they're like telling me what the process is, (sighs) what they would recommend, but not like applying too much pressure. Yeah. You know, in that situation, it's like, yeah, because they have an expertise that I don't have. But when you have an expertise that somebody else doesn't have and you know that you have it it's super easy to like hold yourself like above them, put yourself on a pedestal. Right. There's and I've no, had to avoid that too. There's no need to be a car salesman Yeah, with everything that you do. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can gently guide people in, in what you feel is the right direction. And most people are responsive if you do it in the right way. Um, you know, I get a lot of people that come in and they say, I went to this shop or this shop and they told me my idea was stupid. Mm-hmm. And in my head, I might be thinking, I mean – yeah, it kind of is. Like, it's not, so, you know, it's not something I would get. That's fine. Yeah. But again, I hit that point where I'm like, why do I care? It's not going on me. Mm-hmm. I don't care if, it, if I think it's cool or not. Like, I can throw out a couple ideas that I think might make it cooler. And if mm-hmm. they bite, cool. Right. You know, if not, that that's fine. They end up with the tattoo they wanted either way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they end up happy. And yeah. that's... You know, a lot of tattooers forget the customer service side of it. I think they see that they're just looking to make a piece for their portfolio. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, which is great. If you can get somebody to come in and get something super cool and help you build your portfolio or like oh, you get that cool new piece to throw on Instagram, like that's sweet. But that's more the exception than the rule nowadays. Mm-hmm. Like you, you got to do the tattoos that pay the bills, keep the doors open and keep the lights on. Um And you still have to do a nice job on those too. Mm -hmm. And you still have to treat those people the same way you would treat somebody who's getting a back piece. Like, all right. Yeah. They're no, they're no different. Yeah. You don't treat the cash cow better than, you know, the other person that's coming in just for a little wrist tattoo or something. Right. Yeah. Um, Cause what, what happens is those people come in and they want a tattoo on their wrist. That's the size of a quarter. They come back and then they come back and they're like, well, I've been wanting this half sleeve for a long time, but I wanted to get that first one out Mm -hmm. of the way. And if you give them a bad experience that first time around, you'll never see that person again. Mm-hmm. They'll go get their halves or maybe they won't even ever get tattooed again. Maybe you've just scared them away from everybody from, yeah. ev- from ever getting tattooed again. And they just had this little crappy tattoo on their wrist that they're not happy with mm-hmm. for the rest of their life. Um, so I just try to do a nice job on everything that I do because those people will keep coming back. Yeah. And if it's for another small piece, Cool. That's fine. Yeah. You sold me, man. Um, what do you, 
here, can you see this sticker right here? Over here. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's like, I guess, my unofficial logo. And I've been wanting to get it tattooed. Okay. But I have a tweak I want to make to it. So like right now it's more of a badge, like the hatchet and the feather are the same yeah, like yeah. length or whatever. But I actually want to do it more um, where the hatchet is more like full-sized, not a full-size hatchet, but bigger than the actual feather. Okay. Like, and um, so instead so of like per, a badge. Like scale-wise. Like, yeah, scale-wise. It scale makes wise. more sense. Yeah. Right. And um, yeah, I think I want to get it like on my forearm or something. Would you be able to do that? Yeah. Dude, let's do it. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. not right now, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, like soon. It's crazy. Yeah. I brought my equipment. No, you, <laughs> I'll, I'll lay down on the table. Right yeah. Now. Um, Let's do this illegally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we don't need, uh, you know, any of those yeah. directions on how to clean it. Yeah, or psh, no. Um, but yeah, That's I, just that what would the be, state wants be you awesome. to do, man. Oh yeah. yeah. The, the man. There's that rebelliousness. Yeah. yeah right. right? Um, but yeah, I think it would be super sweet to do that. And I kind of want it like, um, Oh, I don't know what the word is. Like, is it more realism? Like where it would. So more like more shaded or. Probably. Like, yeah. yeah like yeah, where yeah. it looks. More so like not because uh, the way you're, the logo is designed is kind of, um, I would say more of like an etching style, like okay. more of like a. See, I don't know the terms, but. Yeah, more of an illustrative look yeah. versus like a realistic look. Okay. Yeah. 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 I would have said, I don't know, like cartoon, cartoonish or. I think, uh, yeah, I think that's what. When I say illustrative, I guess that's, that's what, what I'm mean. getting at. Yeah, more, um, more of a drawing looks like a drawing mm-hmm. versus looking like yeah an actual hatchet and feather. Right. Yeah. So that would be. I think that's what I want to do next. And um, I guess we're talking about it on the record here, so people can check in later and see if I actually did it. But yeah, I'd be interested. Yeah, we got to hold you to it. Now. Interested in that? Yeah, yeah, it's gonna happen. Okay. I've been because what I do when I like I really like tattoos, and when I think about them. I kind of have to give myself like a certain amount of time for it to stick in my mind. And then that's when I'm like, okay, you've thought about it long enough. It's still like, hasn't left you because I, I can get excited about like an image or something and be like, this would make such a cool tattoo. But if I'm like move past it in two months then I'm like, Hey, maybe you didn't really want it. Surprisingly, I do the same thing. Okay. Uh, when I was younger, I just went, got tattooed Mm -hmm. just whatever. Yeah. Every month, whatever, just go get a tattoo. Um, as I've gotten older, it's like, I think the last tattoo I got had been two years, two mm-hmm. and a half years between. Okay. Um, just didn't, didn't have any ideas that struck me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and so I totally get that. I totally get like, you want to sit on the idea for a while. And I applaud that because, you know, most people see whatever mm-hmm. Rihanna got, you know, <laughs> yeah. and wake up that day and they're like, yeah, I want to go get that. So, yep. Yeah, I mean, it stuck with me, stuck with me for a while, and then I was like, it it would be cool to kind of have it more to scale for the feather and the hatchet, because um, I think that that makes a cool logo. Like, I don't know if you know the reason behind that logo or not, or you might be able to guess, but it was like stressing the importance of the physical and like mental aspect. Okay, of so life. more of a quill then is that? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yep, so I see the, the li- yeah, I see the line now. Yeah. I didn't notice that before. Yeah, yeah. Just so like to say, hey, focus on like your physical well being, but also focus on learning and becoming you know a better person, smarter, and all those types of things. Right. Absolutely. And, um, so I like made them the same size purposely because I wanted to like value it makes a nice logo them. that way. Yeah. To yeah. Be, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. A sticker like wouldn't go as well if they were um, to scale, but. Yeah, so that was the idea, and I was like, but if it's a tattoo, like, I don't know. I don't want, like, a that badge look. I want, want it more of a, 
like you said, to scale. Yeah. And what was the other word? Realism that you said you like, like right now it's illustrative, but I you would, would make it more realistic, realistic. Okay. Yeah. Realism or realistic. Yeah. Um, all right. Last question. So what would you be doing if you were not tattooing? Would you still be like drawing and like trying to make money off of your art that way? Or what would, what would the deal be? You know, that is a good question. Um, it, it's funny cause I don't, uh, strangely, I don't draw outside of work. Hmm. Uh, I used to draw all the time. Uh, and then when it became my job, uh, after, you know, hours and hours of drawing for other people all day long, it's really hard to go home and want to draw yeah. uh, more. So, I mean, I would love to, if I wasn't tattooing it, yes, I would love to still do something with my drawing ability. Um, but those were all things I thought of before I got into tattooing. Uh, I went to art school for a semester. I hated it. Okay. Um, and I thought I was going to be like a studio artist. Uh -huh. And then I was like, who the hell makes money <laughs> as yeah. a studio artist? Like, mm -hmm. and that solely. Um, so I realized that was, you know, probably not the right uh, path for me. Um, you know, I had somebody ask me, I'm trying to remember. I had somebody ask me this question recently. You know, like if I wasn't tattooing, mm -hmm. what would I want to do? If I could choose anything, what would I do? Uh, and I feel like I said something like woodworking. Okay. Um, which I don't currently do. But it... Or like, just, I would still want to do something with my hands. Yeah, the nature um, of working with your hands. Yeah, and I kind of I kind of view tattooing in the same regard. Uh, and a guy that I used to work with, um, you know, he, he said something that always stuck with me. Uh, you know, when people would call tattooing an art and he would say, eh, I always see it as more of a craft. Uh, like a woodworker, you have a blueprint and you have your tools and you, you you build it. Um, you same with a tattoo, like you, you have your stencil, it's your blueprint, you have your tools and you apply it and you build the tattoo mm -hmm. from, from the ground up. Yep. Uh, it's not necessarily built in a three dimensional space the same way like a cabinet would be, but, um, uh, I think the same concept applies um so you know something along those lines mm -hmm. where i'm still still creating something it would have to be something with my hands yeah um but it sounds like on the more like intimate scale so like to me i'm thinking there's a difference between what i did when i framed out this studio which is a 13 by 13 room I framed it out put the studs up put the wall coverings on versus making a chair like there's a more intimate I yes. feel like more intimate feeling to making that chair. So you wouldn't be like a carpenter built like framing out a warehouse, but you would consider like making a chair or a table or carving something like, is that the yeah. relationship? Yeah. Like I, I agree. Like smaller scale, yeah. like not to say that this room doesn't have a soul, but oh, uh, the chair has soul Yeah. versus framing out a room mm -hmm. to me. Um, yeah, that, I, I agree. And, you know, and I think that I would want to do something along those lines. Um, just still using creative abilities, but, um, yeah, I guess just putting, putting my soul into, mm -hmm. cause that's how I feel about tattooing. Like I, I put my soul into it. Mm -hmm. Um, I've almost quit probably four 
times because it's just drained you. Yeah. It's, it's wrecked my life, you know, at certain times where I'm like, ah, maybe this isn't right for me. Mm-hmm. But then I sit and think and like, well, what else am I going to do? Right. You know, um, pretty heavily tattooed or I'm going to, I don't want to, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to get a real job. Yeah. Yeah. How am I going to get a real job? Uh, and I don't, I really don't want to go like put together cardboard boxes in a factory or something mm-hmm. like that. So, um, I just keep, I keep tattooing, but you know, I think like long term, there's going to hit a point where my hands just don't work mm-hmm. the same way. My eyesight, you know, maybe get shaky or whatever. As I get older, like I'm not going to be able to do the same quality tattoos at a certain point in my life. Um, what am I going to do then? Mm-hmm. Um, blacksmithing. Oh, Something like so I, I took a blacksmithing class quite a few years ago, actually. It was a two day, like back to back class. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the coolest things I've ever done. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, how am I going to build a forge? And, you know, yeah, like, how am I, I going to do all this stuff? But, like, something something like that. Still taking raw materials and turning them into something beyond, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the sum of the parts being greater than, yeah. than the you, parts themselves. Do you know um, Lumber and Hide, the leather, local yeah. leather company? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, because I, I became friends with Carter and his wife, the owners of of that company. And I've been like blown away by just that whole process. Cause I've seen him do it. And there was actually a, a video that, um, Grant Peering, who's also been on the podcast made for him for the Boardman review. Okay. And, um, if you haven't watched it, I, I can like send you the link or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. It's awesome. And it was like, I was like, again, I'm pretty certain I'm probably never going to tattoo in my life. Um, I'm pretty, pretty sure that I might not work with leather. Although if I asked Carter, like, Hey, can I stitch a wallet? He would probably let me, but it's like, I but just to know you can make your own wallet. Yeah. If yeah. You wanted it's like, to. it's just, it is, it's that craftsmanship. And, um, I love that. And blacksmithing too. I was like, I wish I could make like my own knife or something. Well, you with, know? with the automation of so much stuff these days, mm-hmm. uh, actual handmade crafts, yeah. you know, that sort of craftsmanship is, is, is going out of style, unfortunately. Um, And and that's the nice thing about tattooing is I don't think it'll ever become automated. Um, And if it does, I don't think that, I don't think it'll catch on. Mm -hmm. Like there will still always be people, actual people applying tattoos. And people will want to pay for real hands doing the work. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, you know, you're not placing an order at McDonald's. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're you're getting a handmade. Yep products do you think like ai will ever replace people in the tattoo industry like you input an image and they just like do 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 put it on well they're already trying to do it are they actually yeah there's already there's already people have tried to like program computers to to apply an image but like there's no there's no sensitivity there there's no like that computer is literally going balls to the wall from start to finish yeah you know there's no there's no give there's no like you can't tell that computer, hey, back off for a second. Yeah. Uh, it's just going to keep going. Right. So that's – And if the yeah, person I, moves their arm or whatever. You're going to always need that that human element. And, you know, there's something great about the imperfections mm-hmm. in tattoos. Being handmade and being made by somebody that you wanted to get tattooed by. Mm-hmm. Like you, you've collected a piece from that person. Yeah. And it may not be perfect. I have tattoos from – people I admire tattoos I love, but if I get close enough, I can pick out all the flaws in it. Right. Um, 
And that's totally fine. I don't feel the need for them to be perfect because they're a great person. I had a great experience and it's a great tattoo. Mm -hmm. Like it, that there's no such thing as perfection. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, it is. It's reflective of like the imperfections of a person and the person is doing the work, but it's like, it's part of the, the beauty of it too. Exactly. Like, like that was a cool thing about lumber and hide and like their leather work is he explained it. He's like this leather, like when it gets beat up and you set it on your windowsill and the sun shines on it and like, I don't know, maybe it gets a coffee stain one day. Like that is part of it. Like that is the patina or whatever. That's what makes it unique and cool as those yeah. imperfections or changes that like come out of just age. That's how I feel like with that. tattoos. I see like a really well done tattoo. That's like 10 or 15 years old. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that is the coolest looking like, yeah, any tattoo, any well done tattoo can look nice when it's a year old. Mm-hmm. I want to see that thing in 15 years. Right. And if it still looks cool, like for me, there's something very satisfying about seeing mm-hmm. a really well done tattoo that looks great with age. Mm-hmm. It looks even better. It settles in. It's lived that life with that person. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that, right. that's just super cool to me. That is cool. The, um, the other thing, do you, do you uh, follow like Anthony Bourdain or used to follow him at all? Like his, uh, without, I think no borders without borders, like a couple of his TV shows that he had, like, on yeah, 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 yeah. Um, he has this YouTube series that I just discovered and you talk about craftsmanship and stuff. It's called, uh, it might just be called raw craft. I'll send you the link to this. You know too. what? Have I think I've come across it. I've watched a couple episodes of that. It was like in a collaboration with a, um, whiskey company. Yes. Yeah. And so yeah, like, yeah, yeah. they, but it's really it like, not commercial. It wasn't wild turkey, was it? Was it? No, um, it was Belvini. It's like actual. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yep. And um, it isn't like too commercialized. Like he has to do the, you know, I interview this person and show the process of them making a, t- a guitar. But then at the end, we have to like sit down for a glass of scotch, and I have to show yes. the label. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I that. have watched that. But it's like I've been watching that, and I I think they only maybe got like fifteen to twenty episodes because he ended up passing away. But um, I was like. That is so cool. I'm watching people make saxophones and I don't listen to jazz or have never played a saxophone and I'm like glued to it. I'm like, that's how they make a saxophone? Like, this is insane. And it's, it's not something you think about on a daily basis. No. You're just like, yeah, cool. There's a saxophone. Mm-hmm. Like you don't think about. Yeah. A machine probably made that or yeah. whatever. Yeah, but you don't a lot of times it, it yeah. can be a person. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty rad. Um, and I love, and you know, I follow, there's some people I follow online that do hand make things that are, that can be automated mm-hmm. and it's just cool to watch them. Like yeah. I, I follow some guy, um, in the Pinckney area that makes bicycles. Oh, dope. Um, I think it's called the rad bicycle company. Okay. And I'm just like, I would have thought that they're just on some assembly line. Yeah. You know, these bikes would be, and this guy's making them like by hand. That's awesome. And I mean, of course, they're like two thousand dollars, but you know, yep. it's it's super cool to see something you think is just automated. Uh, somebody's just in a little warehouse making them. Yeah, it is. That is sweet. There's uh, my buddy works for Shaggy's Ski Company or something. It's in I think Boyne Boyne City, and yeah, it's like wooden skis, and they make them all by hand, and they do like the customized graphics. So if you have like a picture of your dog that you want like on your set of wood. They'll skis. like laminate yeah, it in your skis like, for it. Yeah. All on there. And, um, they're like some of the highest quality skis you can get. And they send them to people that are like skiing big time mountains in Colorado and wherever else. And, um, it's just this little place in Boyne city. That's got real people doing 
real craftsmanship and it's oh, yeah. like super sweet because he runs their like mark some does some of their marketing and instagram and fulfills orders and stuff and um it's like that's just so cool like i'm myself with my skill at skiing am not deserving of like a thousand dollar pair of skis or whatever they are <laughs> but um if i ever had the money i would buy a set of skis from them because i just would feel good about the craftsmanship behind that's it. how i feel too i'm like i don't need a two thousand dollar bicycle but right. but if i did have but two, if two i had that sort of uh you know cash to burn yep. like i'm gonna buy it handmade by the guy in michigan exactly like, yeah. yeah yeah or uh you know have you heard of um what's his name tim zawada I don't he, think so. He's a knife maker, but he makes straight razors as well. Really? And it's from Michigan. He makes like Damascus steel. Oh, um, again, you're you're paying twelve hundred bucks for a straight razor. Yeah. Um, again, if I had that money, yep. I would love to own one. But it's just a guy and a forge, awesome. and he just hand makes all of these high end knives and straight razors and it's that's sweet. It's cool. I love it. Yeah. Dude, we we're gonna connect about I so I've like we both really like craftsmanship and stuff. So I have Carter, like the lumber and hide dude. And I just met this guy who does his own knife work. Um, so he makes like various blades and stuff. And I'm like, I really like knives and everyday carry stuff. And um, so I've been wanting to get over to his place. He, they're opening up a shop in Sutton's Bay. We just met him a couple weeks ago for the first time. And he he was uh, messaging me about the podcast. And he's Is like- Is it the EDC- Gear no, that's guys? in Trevor that City. Okay. Yeah, this is different um, guy. Okay. Refuge, Refuge Salvage. They actually made the lamp that's over there. If you look right at the bulb, you're gonna be blinded. But yeah, I um, am. I am now. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, when I shut it off, you can see the lamp. Uh, but it was from some like house in Detroit that was gonna be demolished, and so they pulled it like off. It was part of a chandelier, and then they like restructured it. I love that. Made it into a lamp. But, I love uh, that type of stuff. It was yeah, it. it was sweet. My mom got it for me for Christmas, and then I met them, and um. So I'm like, it would be so cool just to go and like watch him make a knife. And then if I ever get one of those knives, just to say like I was kind of part of the process and I saw it be made and like all that stuff. But um, I'll, I'll shoot you over their Instagrams and stuff. So yeah. You can see, yeah. I haven't heard of those. See guys. all that. Um, but yeah. Where, plug your stuff. So website, business, Instagram, whatever. And then we'll get out of here. Uh, so the shop is Truth Seeker Tattoo. Um, website. So I should have asked this. What's the reason for the name? I get asked that a lot. And I actually get a lot of people that come in uh, saying they came in because of the name. Okay. Uh, Strangely, it was just one of those things um, when I knew that I was going to be starting this business and opening a tattoo shop, you know, the name game begins. Like, what am I going to call it? Um, And there's so many bad names so many bad tattoo shop yeah. names like, like there's a lot of bad salon names. and like just like yeah hair force one <laughs> yeah, yeah that's on my list not to call them out i, I don't know. know anybody there but um no, hopefully yeah. i don't <laughs> if they hear this uh um but truth seeker just popped into my head one day and i was like that sounds really cool you know i'll make a note of that and then i tried to sit down and make a list I'm like, all right, well, that's the only one I got so far. Mm-hmm. I'll just make this list. And that list didn't happen. Just that. It, yeah. Just that. And I was like, I, I keep coming back to this. And I, and I think what drew me to it is it means different things to different people. Mm-hmm. I've had people come in um, saying they came in because of the name and they took it as a religious connotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had other people, you know – to me, it was always like everybody is seeking their own truth mm-hmm. in their own way. Um, me, I found a lot of truth through tattooing. 
mm-hmm. you know, and through the the interactions with people yeah. and all that sort of stuff, I've kind of arrived at my truth through that. Um, and it's different for everybody. I think that's why, you know, and, and it's an uncommon name. It's not, yeah, uh, you know, like I said, it's not uh, sling and ink or, mm-hmm. um, you know, thirsty needle or, you know, <laughs> what, like whatever bad nineties biker shop name mm-hmm. that people have. Um, it, it kind of appeals to, to a wider group of people, or maybe it does, maybe it doesn't appeal to mm. a wider group of people. I don't know. Uh, but I do get a lot of people that come in because of the name and they're just really intrigued by it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the the cool thing about the name too, is it kind of lends itself to, uh, there's a bit of mystery to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of where the logo, the eyeball logo came from okay. with the staircase in, you know, yeah. within the eye, um, kind of like seeking truth within yourself sort of mm-hmm. thing. But, um, as cheesy as that sounds, but, uh, th- I think there's a level of mystery to it, um, which people really like because yeah. they don't really know when they come in, they don't really know what type of tattoo shop they're walking into, mm-hmm. uh, until they come in. Yeah. That's um, dope. right on. Yeah. It makes a ton of sense. So yeah. Website, truesecrettattoo.com. I mean, true secret tattoo on everything, Facebook, Instagram, all this sort of stuff. Okay. Uh, I was lucky enough to Snag those. Just snag those. Nobody apparently, no one in the U.S. apparently has a shop called Truth Seeker Tattoos. So, so yeah, you're Truth Seeker, not just like the Truth Seeker or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Truth Seeker Tattoo. Yeah, excellent, man. Yeah, I'll link to all that stuff too in the show notes so people can find you there, dude. This was a lot of fun, man. You're my yeah. first uh, tattoo artist that I've gotten on. I've always been fascinated and intrigued by the art or the craft of tattooing and um, I've, for you I've to never talk about as been awesome. interviewed by anyone who wasn't a client. So right on. Hey, you know, I, I get asked the same questions yeah. over and over and over and over mm-hmm. uh for years. Yeah. Um so it's nice to talk about a little bit of that, but, uh, you yeah. know, some other stuff too. Yeah, so right. Now. I appreciate we'll, it. Next time we have you on, we'll talk philosophy and what books we're reading and stuff too. Cause I know that you got a lot of that going on as well. Yeah. So please come I, I could talk, you know, ancient aliens. I got you know, hey, I can talk dude. about, I can talk about all sorts of stuff. So I, I'll give you the, the main microphone and you just educate. Me. So, right. <laughs> all on, right man. It's a deal. Well, thanks so much for coming. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thank you. And thank you guys for listening. We love you. Bye-bye.